So that brings us up to date for today. And in your notes, it says Peter states that they are a royal priesthood. That means that we're going to be priests. So, just as the Old Covenant had a priesthood, the family of Aaron were the priest. There was just a few of them compared to all of Israel. They were the only ones that could draw close to God. Nobody was allowed into the holy place except for the priest. And nobody was allowed into the holy of holies except the high priest. And that once a year. And that with a bunch of blood and a bunch of smoke. And a bunch of prayer too, I guarantee you. So, again, we see this idea in Old Covenant Israel. So, Old Covenant Israel, according to Exodus 19, was to be a priesthood to God, a nation of priests. And of course, they were miserable failures. They didn't take it seriously. Alright, let's look at Isaiah 61, verse 6. And we'll see that is the idea of... We'll never get out of Isaiah, will we? That's the idea that they had that Isaiah brings forth to them in Isaiah 61, 6. If we can have that read. Okay, this is a prophecy of the new covenant times, new heavens and the new earth. So that was prophesied in the old covenant that the new covenant people of God will be priests to the Lord just like the old covenant people were supposed to be priests to the Lord but they were not very faithful in their calling. And then in Isaiah 66, 21... We'll have that read also. Alright. Some of them they will also take for priests and Levites. So, um, now this is talking, they're talking to the dispersion of the Old Covenant here. And um, <clears throat> so that's another prophecy that they will be priest to God. They will be called out of the dispersion of the Old Testament. Just uh, the old of the um, exile in the Old Testament. And these people, these recipients of the New Covenant could have very well been a lot of those um, that were being called out of that dispersion. Alright, now also look back at verse 5 on this First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says there again that they are to be a holy priesthood, just like in verse uh, verse nine. So two times Peter states there to be a royal priesthood. All right, the the priests in the Levitical order were to be set apart. Remember that. Remember they were called from the family of Aaron, and then they were set apart, and then they had to. Like a bath. 
versus what it was. They had to be made clean. They had to be washed clean. And only after they were set apart and made clean, they were able to offer up sacrifices. All right, let's have Revelation 1, verse 5 and 6 read to us. All right, Jesus loves us. He has freed us from our sins by His blood. Washed us clean by His blood. Freed us. And we are to be a kingdom and priest to God the Father. All right, and then if we look over in Revelation 22, or excuse me, Revelation 20, verse 6. A benediction is pronounced. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection over such, verse 6, yeah, uh, um, over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay. Now, at the very beginning of First Peter, second verse, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with His blood. The idea here is that we have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. We've been made clean, just like the priest had to be sprinkled in the Old Covenant times. He had to be made clean and he was set apart by the Holy Spirit. So we see here in this verse, in sanctification of the Spirit and the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. So we have the blood of Christ sprinkling us clean and the Holy Spirit setting us apart for service to God. So we are a holy priesthood. We've been set apart and cleansed by the blood of Christ, just like the priests were in the Old Covenant. So, we are a royal priesthood or a kingly priesthood. And so, a lot of these teachings in the rest of First Peter, he tells us, he lays the obligations on us because we are a royal priesthood. We don't want to be like the priesthood of the old covenant, a miserable failure. It really turned out to be a bunch of crooks. We want to be a faithful priesthood, a royal priesthood. And come close to God and proclaim His excellencies. And the other thing, we're to be a holy nation. Again, Exodus 19, 6, when they were getting ready to enter into covenant with God at Mount Sinai, God said, you are a holy people. A holy nation, rather. He says they are a holy nation. And then, in your notes, they are God's special people. Which is yet again, this is attributed to those of the Old Covenant. It says, now you are God's people. 
and verse 10. You are God's people. Um, has anybody been assigned in Deuteronomy 4.20? Okay, let's look back at Deuteronomy 4.20. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of His own inheritance, as you are this day. And then if we look on over to Deuteronomy 14.2, we get the same idea. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So they are God's special people. Now in the Old Testament, they were God's special people, but they were extremely unfaithful to Him. Peter is telling us, we're to be holy. We're to be faithful to God. We're not to be like the Old Covenant. Now we go through all of these things in 1 Peter 2 and I think it becomes very obvious that we are the new Israel. Everything that Israel was supposed to do in the Old Covenant, we have been assigned to do in the New Covenant because we have the same status they do. We're a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation, we're God's own people. We've been sprinkled. We've been set apart. So all of these things that were attributed to Old Covenant Israel are now attributed to us, the church. These people that Peter was writing to, they are the new Israel. And remember again in Matthew 21, 43, Jesus tells them the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you and given to a people who will be faithful. So everything that Old Covenant Israel was supposed to do and they failed to do, that has been assigned to us. We are God's people and we have work to do. Old Covenant Israel received a great status. They had great responsibility. They were not faithful. They were supposed... Let's see. um, Charles, will you look up for Psalm 96? And Michelle... Isaiah 43:21 So they had received great status they have great responsibility they must now proclaim God's excellencies and the people of God were told to do this in the old covenant to proclaim God's excellencies and let's read where they were in uh, Psalm 96 verse 1 through 10 Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. 
tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So they were pro to proclaim God's excellencies. They were to proclaim God's name to the very ends of the earth. Let me ask you something. Is there any essential differences between what Charles has just read to us and the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20? Does Israel have, did Israel have a great commission in there and among other places in the Old Covenant? I think it's rather obvious they did. They were supposed to minister God's grace as priest of God. They were told to declare His glory among the nations and um, to ascribe to Him glory and strength and worship Him in the splendor of holiness, they were supposed to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So they were not very faithful. They had a proselyte here and a proselyte there. But Jesus said of those proselytes, they were twice as much the children of hell as they were. That's how, what a miserable failure they were. Any comments on that? about them having a great commission and being priests and their failure and what that means for us. Man, y'all are quiet today. Bill? I'm going to say something heretical and wake y'all up. <laughs> well, you know, in, in spite of how obvious Scripture makes all of this, there, there are nevertheless are those who would disagree and claim that, you know, Israel, especially the modern state of Israel, are God's chosen people and God's not done with the Jews yet and all that business. Um, it was actually Dr. Gentry that pointed me to this passage, and I think it's a good one to remember. Um, people could say, well, okay, yeah, that's the church, but you know, God made special promises to them that are separate. And as with all this other stuff, the Word of God completely denies that. In Joshua chapter 21 and 43, it says, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. The Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. End of story. So there are no remaining so, promises. Yeah. The Lord kept his part of the covenant, even if they did. Go ahead and turn to that 2143. Because they will always hit you with that, as our pastor has said. What about all of those promises? What about those promises God made to Israel? Well, Joshua 21.43 says, The Lord gave to Israel all the land. He gave to Israel all the land that He swore to give to their fathers. There's no land promise still to be fulfilled. This has been fulfilled. And they took possession of it. They settled there. The Lord gave them rest. Not one of their enemies withstood them. Not one word, verse 45, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. There are no outstanding promises to the nation of Israel. Okay, 
Thanks for pointing that out. That is, that's devastating dispensationalism, as is the rest of the Bible. That is special. Now, um, let's see, Mike, mm-hmm. I want you to look up for us. Well, let's read Isaiah 43, 21. We still haven't read that yet. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Yeah, he formed those old covenant Israelites from self to declare his praise. Us in the new covenant church are to declare his praise also. All right, Mike, if you'll look up for us, Romans 15. Never mind, I'm going to read that. Acts 10, 44 through 48. All right, let's turn to Romans 15, verse 8. I forget who it was that pointed this out. I think it was Edmund Clowney. But it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks on what Paul was saying in Romans 15. Brings a lot of things together. All right, look at Romans 15, verse 8. For I tell you, that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, that's the Jews, the old covenant Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Not to fulfill, but to confirm. Okay, And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. And then He gives several Old Testament prophecies that the Gentiles were going to proclaim His excellencies and that these people that Peter is writing to are fulfilling Scripture. It says, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol Him. And in Isaiah, the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and in him the Gentiles hope. Okay. Let's look down to verse 16. I guess 15 to get the context. It's one sentence. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because the grace of given me to me by God. All right, he's writing to Gentiles here. It says to for me, for Paul, myself, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So Paul, being a priest, in his priestly service, offers up the Gentiles as a offering acceptable to God. That was Paul's ministry. To offer up the Gentiles as an acceptable offering to God. And the very last part of that, he says, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at where the Spirit sanctified the Gentiles. Look at Acts 10.44. 
which um, I think might be. 48? Yeah. Hold on just a second before you read this. Everybody okay. get there. Yeah, 10, 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Okay, here we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming upon the Gentiles. Remember Peter and a few of his, I guess they were servants, went with people from Cornelius' household. They went back to Cornelius' household. Peter preached a sermon to them. And they believed... And so here we see the gospel preached to the Gentiles and here comes the Holy Spirit falling on them to set them apart. Just like it said in the second verse of 1 Peter 2. He set them apart. They believed in Christ. They were washed by His blood and they were set apart as an offering to God. And so Peter, Paul rather, says that his ministry has been to the Gentiles to set them up as a acceptable offering to God. All right, any further comments on that? Yeah. So I'm a little hazy about something here. All of the land promises were fulfilled. And promises; those promises were not I mean, there were all kinds of other things involved in the covenant with them that they broke. So promises are not the same things as the covenant. Right. Promises so, are part right, of the covenant. Right, he promised yeah. them the land, so they got the land. Yeah. And the covenant was conditional. Yeah. Based on performance. Yeah, if you will faithfully obey my voice. Yeah. Okay. And they did not faithfully obey the voice. Right. But if you look back at that passage, this is what I thought you were getting to. Joshua 21. The last verse. It's important. I'm thinking right. Um, 21. <clears throat> What was that? Um, what chapter was that in? Anybody remember? Sorry, you escaped me. Joshua 21. Oh, yeah, yeah, 21. And uh, verse um, 45 on that. It's, all right, uh, before he said he would give in Israel all the land that he had sworn to give to the fathers, but then in the last verse he says, not one word of all the good promises the Lord had made house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. So, you know, I I think that means um, 
I don't see how you can get around not everything that God had promised he had given to them. Right. I mean, they didn't become a kingdom of priests. Right. They became a kingdom of whores. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they were exiled. They came back to the land. They never repented. Man's got worse and worse, according to Malachi. And Jesus came. And, of course, they killed Jesus. They crucified him. And so God, as Ken Gentry would say, God divorced Israel. And he takes the church as his new bride. So things like becoming a kingdom of priests was part of the covenant, not what? It's not part of the promises like the land right. promises. Right. That was what they were supposed to do to fulfill right. the covenant. And they didn't, do, they didn't do anything that they were supposed to do. So they were the covenant breakers. God was not the covenant they got the breakers. Curses. And they still have the curses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Even to this very day. You mean you're not giving money to rebuild the temple over there? <laughs> I don't think so. That shows you what ignorance of the Bible can have practical um, implications on your life. Now you can, if you don't know the Bible, how easily you can be led astray to give money for the temple being rebuilt. Garbage like that. That's why we take time to go through these things. That's also the extreme support of everything that Israel does. As a, yeah. Just as a national entity. Yeah, and it even affects politics to the very top. All right. So to finish up your notes on this chapter, on this section... God has called them out of darkness. Just like Old Covenant Israel is called out of darkness, that is the nation of Egypt, kingdom of Egypt. <clears throat> now they have work to do, but they will be successful as God's priest to the nations. Let's look at Isaiah 19, 24, and 25. We will never, ever get out of Isaiah. Never far from Isaiah. Isaiah 19, verses 24 through 25. And this is where we will wrap it up today. I said in your notes there, they will be successful as God's priest to the nations. In that day, Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel as my inheritance. I failed to read verse 23. Let me go back to that one. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will, work, <clears throat> will worship with the Assyrians. So here we have Jew and Gentile, Working together. Israel being a third with Egypt and Assyria. And uh, so here we have a prophecy, I believe anyway, that uh, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation to God, and we are going to fulfill our mission as being priests to God. Because the Gentiles and the Jews 
will be worshiping together. And this indicates to me, too, that the Jews will be coming back into the kingdom the same way everybody else does by believing in Christ. All right, that's the end of your notes. That's all I have today. Anybody have anything to add? Well, and and also to add to what you said, in Ephesians, Paul makes the point that the wall has been broken down and now God has made the two people one people. Yeah. And the dispensation was to make one back into two, right? Really couldn't call it a commercial, and I don't know what network it's on. Real brief, and the fellow's name is a Jew, Saul, something. And I didn't pay attention to it for a while. A big old friend about, but he is Christian, and Yom Kippur is dates are coming up, what 29th or something like that. And his big thing is they are missing the main event. The Messiah has been here in over so many years and all this, and the Jews are missing the main event. And Yom Kippur was ended when, when the Messiah come. That's supposed to be a uh, time of uh, fasting and prayer for forgiveness. And they said there's none without the blood. Yeah. No forgiveness. It's real brief or real quick, but I don't know what network it was on. Yeah. Anything else? Okay, I'll ask um, Charles, will you close us in prayer, please? Dear Lord, we thank you for this study and your word today. We thank you for the great promises and the covenant that you've made with the Old Testament church. We thank you for the fulfillment of those promises in that time and that the church of Jesus Christ, your new Israel, could